Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from here, Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. Let's begin with prayer. My heavenly Father, I thank you. My heavenly Father, I thank you. Let the power of my Lord be great. Father, let your power be great. Grant your people repentance. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will turn with me to John 8. I'm going to begin in verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. Look, all the people came unto him. So this was a big crowd that came to the temple to hear Jesus teach. So they're all sitting there and they're listening. And then what happens? And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him, in the middle of all these people, a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, set her in the middle of all of them, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. In the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? What sayest thou? What do you say? The law of Moses says stoner. What do you say? And Jesus, now, um, but this they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So now we have a woman here taken in the very act of adultery. That means she was messing around on her husband and they caught her. They caught her. Notice they didn't bring the guy. They brought the woman. And they bring her to Jesus. They said, under the law, we need to stone her. And what do you say? All right, you got your stones? You got your stones with you? You going to stone her? You got your stones? Let's take a look. So they continued asking him. He lifted up himself and said unto them. Oh, let's see, verse 6. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So seven, when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. He said, go for it. Go for it. He without sin among you, cast the first stone without sin. All right, so. Look at it. It says, you love the, what is the, what is the Ten Commandments? I, I, I had to memorize them once when I was in second grade to be an acolyte, to be one of those little, little girls that wear the cute little white robes and get to go do the candle at church. I thought that was serving God. I was all excited about doing that. And then the leader of it said, well, you're going to have to, you're going to have to memorize the Ten Commandments. You know, I quit. 
you know, I quit. It was God. I get, now I know it was God. Then I was like, I can't memorize those. I quit. I knew. I had, a, I had a hard time memorizing as a child. I have mercy on you if you can't memorize because I had a hard time memorizing. And you know what? They labeled me as gifted. I wasn't gifted in memorization. And, and I couldn't memorize. But you know what the word is that I have for you? It's in here. It's not in my head. It's in here. I know it in here. Yeah, you can, you can, you can ask Doll. I got that word in here, but it's not up there. So now let's go on. The, 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 the Ten Commandments: Thou shalt love the God, thy God, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with everything. Got that rock? Uh, thou shalt not covet. Ever covet anything? Now I want to drop the rock. Thou shalt not lie. Whoa. I heard all the rocks dropping. You know, in 1 John, it says, 1 John 1, the last verse says, If you say you are without sin, then you are a liar. And the word of God is not in you. So there go the rocks. We're dropping the rocks. Thank God we dropped the rocks. You know, if, we'd have, if they'd have started with the rocks, there'd have been nobody left. If we'd have taken that law exactly like it's written, there'd be nobody here. There'd be a lot of rock piles, but there'd be nobody here. So what does Jesus do? He said, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience. Notice some people said it was what Jesus wrote, but here it says it was by their own conscience. You know the Spirit of God will do that? Oh, the Spirit of God will convict you. When the Spirit of God's on you, oh, you start singing like a birdie. When the Spirit of God's on you, he will convict you. It says, by their own conscience, went on one out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman in the midst. Now, remember, there's still all these people sitting around listening to Jesus teach. And now we've got this adulterous woman sitting in the middle of everybody. What is Jesus going to do with her? The, the Pharisees, they've all left. No more rocks. What's Jesus going to do with her? What is Jesus going to do with this woman? And it says, Jesus left alone the woman standing in the midst. Verse 10. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, looks around. Where are the Pharisees? They're all gone. The Pharisees are all gone. And he said to her, woman, where are those unaccusers? Has no man condemned thee? And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Jesus said to the woman, drug out of a bed, messing with somebody that's not her husband. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. But don't forget the next part. Go and sin no more. Amen. Don't forget the next part. Oh, you'll use it as an excuse. That's why I'm saying it. Look at the next phrase. Go and sin no more. You know, Jesus also said that to the man that was at the, uh, the Bethesda. He said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. You know what? I want you to hear this. Jesus said, go and sin no more. He's not going to ask you to do something that you can't do. 
He's not going to ask you to do something. He's not going to tell you to do something that you can't do. He said to the woman, don't do it again. Don't do it again. Now, how can Jesus, when he says, neither do I condemn you, neither do I condemn you, how can he do that? Turn with me to Jeremiah 20, uh, 31. Verse 31. 31, 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. That Lord, that word is Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. What covenant was that? It was the law. It was the Ten Commandments. It says right here, I gave it to your fathers when I led them out of Egypt. The Ten Commandments. He said, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Notice why it's not going to be like that one. The next phrase, which my covenant they break. They broke it. A covenant is between two. God made the covenant with the Hebrews, brought them out of Egypt, and they broke it. They broke it. He said, which they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But, but they broke it. They couldn't keep it. They couldn't keep it. Notice that word in verse 33, but. This shall be the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts. I just told you that's where the word is in me. And write it in their hearts. In their hearts. Thank God you don't have to memorize it. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more any, every man his neighbor and every man his brother and saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. How can that be? Next phrase. How can it be? There is a covenant that his words are in our inward parts and in our hearts. It says for, for, because, because I will forgive their iniquity. And I will remember their sin no more. I will remember their sin no more. This is why he could tell the adulterous woman, neither do I condemn you. Go with me to Hebrews 8. We're going to see these same verses in Hebrews. The writers of Hebrews says in verse 7, For if the first covenant had been faultless, if there had been no problem with the first covenant, the law, the Ten Commandments, if there was no problem with that Ten Commandments, there should then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, God said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. That's the same thing we read in Jeremiah. Do you see God is the one that got rid of the Ten Commandments? God is the one that put them aside. God is the one that says it's not working. You know, it says in Romans 7, the law is good and perfect and the word of God. 
But we have sin and we can't keep it. I love one of the first things I heard Doyle say when I came to this ministry about the law back in the 80s. I came in 1984, 31 years ago. One of the first things I heard about God putting aside the first covenant and bringing the second. And Doyle made this comment. He said, when you are under, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou surely will. Have you ever found that when you try to fix yourself, when you try to walk perfect, you screw up every time. And it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. Thou shalt not, thou surely will. And when you get that Bible and you start reading it, you'll find out that's exactly why God gave us the law. That is exactly why he gave us the law. Now, turn with me to Hebrews 10, verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, a shadow of good things, not the good stuff, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they have not ceased to be offered. You know, you'd think after five cows you'd be good. But it didn't work. Why? Because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sin. But in these sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For, for it is not possible. It is not possible. Do you hear that? It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Not possible. And we got sin. What are we going to do? The God took away the first and he gave us the second. Read on. Five. Therefore. When he cometh into the world, this is Jesus, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. A body hast thou prepared me. The Father gave Jesus a body, a body just like ours. Why did Jesus, when he came to this earth, need a body? Why couldn't he just float it down here, teach what he needed to teach, and float back up? He needed a body like ours. Why? Let's read on. Lo, I um, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written to me, to do thy will, O God. He's coming to do his will. And above when he said, sacrifice an offering and burnt offering and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither has pleasure therein which are offered by the law. See, the father didn't even take pleasure in it. Then he said, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, the law, the Ten Commandments, that he may establish the second, by the which we are sanctified through the offering. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Through the body, a sacrifice. We needed a sacrifice, but it had to be so much greater than bulls and goats because we couldn't obey that law. We couldn't. We had sin on us. Turn with us, turn with me to Isaiah 52. 
Verse 13. Behold my servant. I love those words. Behold my servant. Jesus came because the Father sent him. Jesus said, I don't come on my own. The Father sent me. Why? To be our sacrifice. We needed a sacrifice, and it had to be a good one. It had to be one that took care of the sin in us, to take it completely out, to totally demolish the sin in us, to totally eradicate it, to totally get rid of it, so we can be a perfect, sanctified, justified people. The only way to do that was with a human sacrifice, human blood. Somebody had to die. And like I've said so many times before, you can't kill God. You can't. But somebody had to die. So Jesus became us. He became just like you and me. And he took on our sin on that cross. Let's read on. 14, as many were astonished at thee. His visage, his face was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground in a human body. He has no form nor comeliness on the cross. No form. Why? Our sin. Read on, it'll say that. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, pain, acquainted with sickness. We hid our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But five, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah talks about Jesus giving his back to the smiters. Jesus on the cross took your sin. The Ten Commandments didn't save you. Couldn't. Because God knew you had sin in you. And sin will become exceeding sinful when you tell it it's sin. But God sent us a sacrifice. A man. A human sacrifice for us. And on that body, he took your sin. He took everything you did wrong and he bore it on his own body. I hear you. You're saying, but I've done something horrific. That's the very person Jesus came for. That is the very reason he died. He knew what you did. He knows it. You know why he knows it? Because he paid for it. Because he paid for it. Do you hear me? Your sin was on his body and he paid for it. But you're saying to me, but he can't have paid that. Yes, he can. That's why he went to the lowest part of hell. The lowest part. 
because he knew what you did. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous to repentance, but the sinners. I came to save that which was lost, not which was found. Jesus knows what you've done because he paid for it. And he died on the cross, broken every bone out of joint, because that's what you'd have looked at if we'd have put you up there. If I'd have been up there, every bone out of joint, a sacrifice made for you and I. And you know what happened to that sacrifice? It went to hell. It died on the cross, and it went to hell. Jesus in hell, his soul in hell, his spirit in hell. His body was in the grave, dead. And he paid for our sin. He paid for our iniquities. He paid for our perversities. He paid for our weaknesses. He paid for our doubt and unbelief. Paid for it in the lowest part of hell. The lowest. It says, my God, thy wrath lieth hard on me. Because the Father was taking your sin out on Jesus. He was taking it out on Jesus. Do you hear me? The Father in heaven took your sin out on Jesus in the lowest part of hell. And after he took it out on him, he said, I'm satisfied. That is enough. It is enough. I'm satisfied. And he forgave us with that sacrifice, paid the price for you and me. And the Father forgave us. And you know how we know he forgave us? Because he raised Jesus from the dead. He said, that's enough. That is enough. I'm coming to get you. That is enough for you and I. The sacrifice of Jesus is enough for you and I. What is our job? You notice under the old covenant, we had to do something. We had to behave in a certain way. And we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. But the new covenant, Jesus did the work. Jesus is the one that paid for the sin. Jesus is the one that went to hell for you and I. And you know what our job is? We just have to accept it. We just have to believe it. We just have to trust in it when we think something else. We have to trust in it when we feel something else. We have to look at what Jesus did above everything else. And when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the dead, he will become part of you. That spirit will come into you and he will lead you. And you know what that makes you? Born again. When you receive Jesus and say he was raised from the dead and he is Lord of your life, he, you become born again. And that horrific sin that you committed will be forgiven. Will be forgiven. I don't care if you're going to the electric chair with it. You know what happens? The moment you wake up after the electric chair, you're going to be in heaven. That is what Jesus did for you. That is what he paid for. Go believe this gospel. Put your trust in what Jesus did for you and watch God raise you up.
Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the Ministers of Music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.